Hello, Molo, Sawona, Jumbo, and welcome to Every Nation Durban. We are part of a global family of churches with the purpose to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. You can find us in big cities like London, New York, Paris and Joburg. You can also find us in nations like Bangladesh, Botswana, China and even Hawaii. In Durban, we have a local vision of being a healthy church that starts other healthy churches. Our mission is reach, disciple, impact. We want to reach every person, every campus, and every nation. Join this mission to honor God and advance His kingdom. Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year to you all. Yeah, a big Happy New Year to you, Every Nation Durban. Today is the 3rd of January 2021. Can, Can you, you believe, believe it? it? Thank goodness, hey? <laughs> Goodbye 2020. Oh, you know what? I think there was a lot of good that happened in 2020. Bishop, I'm so sorry you can't all be here in this in our building just to, to worship together, but uh, we trust God is going to be uh, soon that we're going to come back together because there really is nothing like just worshiping together and um, that was absolutely beautiful so you know it's the start of a year and uh, typically at the start of a year we are all um, at this stage pretty well fed well rested and optimistic and pulling out our resolutions and our goals and, and getting ready for the year. And there's, you know, what grade are we going into? What grade are our kids going to? What, what new uh, obstacles are we going to overcome this year? What heights are we going to reach? And that's, that's normal of most years. However, this year, I've noticed that many people are hesitant and cautious. And um, there's some funny memes going around about uh, our caution towards 2021. And I'm not going to show any of those this morning, though. I'm, I'm a meme guy. I love the memes, but I'm not going to put them up this morning. But there are some funny ones going around. And the reason why a lot of us are cautious is because of all that went wrong last year, of all the bad, of all the pain from last year. And uh, I think many of us are a bit fearful of getting our expectations up and uh, getting our hopes up. And then we have more COVID hitting and a second wave or a third wave or I don't know how many waves they are predicting. Um, and, and we don't want to get, you know, all our goals out and start setting all goals for the year because then we're going to have more lockdowns and uh, we don't even know if we're going to be able to achieve these. And so many of us are not really sure what to aim at this year or where we should be putting our faith to this year. So what can we do right now as a church? What can we do with that sort of dilemma? Well, one thing I want to remind you of is this, is that we do not take our lead from the world. We do not take our lead from the past even. We don't look to the past in order to understand where we're going in the future. We don't look at society. We don't look at the news. We don't take our lead from this world. And I know I've kind of said that many times before, um, and I've, and I've preached on that even, that we don't take our lead. Because what defines us as the people of God is this, is that our eyes are fixed on the Lord and we do what He is telling us to do no matter what is going on around us. 
And so what we need to do at the start of this year in particular is take our eyes off ourselves. Take our eyes off 2020 and all that happened last year, all the past and everything. And we need to fix our eyes on our beautiful, amazing God. And we need to behold Him and we need to draw close to Him and we need to get ourselves into a position where we can hear His voice so that He can direct our lives this year. And whatever He says, we do, no matter what's going on around us. And so what we're going to be doing as a church is we're going to unite with all our every nation churches around the world and we're going to do a sermon series together called Awesome God. Hey, isn't that awesome? <laughs> we're going to do a series called Awesome God. And in the series, we're going to be looking at the names of God. We're going to be looking at his name, Jehovah, Jehovah Shalom, El Roy, Jehovah Jireh. We sang Jireh this morning. You are Jireh. El Shaddai, Yeshua. All these names of God that he has revealed to us in Scripture. And every Sunday, we're going to unpack one of those names. And in addition to the, the preaching series um, that we're going to be doing, and which, which actually starts next week, we, I'm just going to do an intro to that today, um, but we'll, we'll have iConnects going out so you can gather in small groups and you can discuss it further and pray for each other. And we encourage you to, if you can meet as a small group, then meet. If you have to Zoom it, then Zoom it. But let's, uh, let's not forsake the gathering together of the saints. There's so much value in us coming together and discussing the word and praying for each other. So we'll be sending out some iConnect starting next week on the sermon series. And then in addition to that, what we're going to be doing is a week of prayer, fasting, and consecration. Yes. Come on, everyone. <laughs> uh, we always get excited about prayer and fasting. Amen? Amen. Come on. It is amazing. And so Monday the 11th and uh, to Sunday the 17th, that's not this coming Monday, but the following, uh, we're going we're gonna to give a week to prayer, fasting, and consecration. And we're going to be joining with our Every Nation family from around the world. We're going to have special devotions that week from a number of our pastors from around the world. Um, and we're going to we'll send out some more information to you about how we, we can meet, if it's going to be online for prayer meetings, or if we'll have small prayer meetings or whatever. We'll let you know this coming week. But prayer, fasting, and consecration is something that we can do to prepare ourselves for for what God is about to do. In Joshua chapter 3 and verse 5, Joshua said to the people of Israel, he said, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders amongst you. And and, and that's what that's what consecration is. When we pray, when we fast, when we consecrate, what we're doing is we're getting ready for what God wants to do in the future. Notice how he says, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders amongst you. I believe God will do wonders this year. I believe he'll do wonders in our life, wonders in this church, wonders in your family. I believe there are wonders that God wants to do in our lives. Amen? His plans for us are good and to prosper us. There are good plans that he has for us in 2021. And prayer, consecration, fasting is what prepares us to be a part 
of what God is doing. It prepares us and aligns us so that we can share in what God is going to do in our lives, that we are correctly positioned to experience those wonders. So I want to encourage you. Um, we don't fast just to lose the Christmas lunch, okay? We're fasting because our faith is that God is going to do wonders this year, that he is going to do mighty things. And fasting is a, it's a wonderful way we show our devotion and love for God. It's a wonderful way to reset our bodies and get our spirit man strong. And it's a wonderful expression of faith. And faith is what moves the hand of God. Amen? Today, I want to share a word um, as a prelude to our series, Awesome God. And the sermon today is entitled, Awesome God. And if you have a Bible, I would like you to please go there. Get, grab your Bible, because all the scriptures won't come up. And, and we're going to go to John chapter 12 first. We're going to start there. And then we're going to move on to some other scriptures. I've got a few scriptures for you this morning. But John 12 and verse 23 is where we'll start. And let's just pray our prayer before we get into the Word of God this morning. Father in heaven, I commit this time to you. I believe that your plans for me are good and that everything good starts with your Word. Your Word brings life, healing, and direction. I treasure your Word more than my daily bread. I boldly confess that my mind is alert and my heart is receptive. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to read from verse 23 and, uh, and then we'll, we'll finish at about 29. The word of God says the following. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Talking about his life. And then he goes on and says, whoever loves his life will lose it. But he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But it's for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. And therefore the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. And others said, no, an angel has spoken to him. Amen. Let's leave it over there. <laughs> I don't know about you, but you know, when I read passages like, like this, my mind goes, my imagination goes crazy. Can you imagine Jesus preaching this, this, these powerful words to, to just a crowd that's gathered over there? He's preaching 
this sermon and he's talking about how his time has come and he's going to be glorified and he's showing how his life is like this grain of seed that it's just going to get planted into the ground and it's going to die but then it's going to bear tremendous fruit and and then he switches talking about what he's going to do to what we should be doing and how we should be living our lives that we shouldn't be trying to hold on to our lives here because just as much as you can't grab and hold on to water, we can't grab onto our life and hold our lives here on earth. We, we just cannot control this life. This is, this life is, we cannot, we can try to get as much insurance as we like. We can try and build the most safe and comfortable life we like, but it can slip away from us in just a moment. And you're saying, therefore, don't aim for this life, but aim for your eternal life. Because if you just aim for this life, you're going to miss that life. And so aim for that life and then you will get it. You'll have eternal life. And then he, he talks about how, how difficult his hour is going to be and how challenging it will be to go to the cross. And he says, should I quit? Should I pull out because it's going to be painful? Should I, should I say, Father, save me from this hour? But then he goes on and he says, no, but for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. So this powerful sermon is being preached. And then while he's preaching to the crowd... This voice breaks out from heaven. <laughs> Can you imagine it? Just out in the fields, listening to Jesus, preaching like this. And then all of a sudden, he turns his attention to his Father in heaven. And it's almost like he's a, he, there's an audience on the, on the, on the ground, but the, he knows there's another audience up there. And he just directs his... It's like he's talking to both realms at the same time. You know, in Jesus we see heaven connecting with earth in the most beautiful way. We see heaven coming to earth. We see the, the kingdom advancing on earth. His life was the connection point. His life was the, was the channel for heaven to touch earth. And so as he's preaching to people down here, it's like he's also preaching in heaven. Heaven is listening at the same time. And what happens? This huge voice comes from heaven saying, I have glorified it and I'll glorify it again. I mean, just, I mean, can you imagine just sitting in some of Jesus' sermons and just hearing, what does a voice from the heaven sound like? You know, what is that? You know, what is that even? I was going to try something, you know. (laughs) What is that? Just imagine like this voice booming from the heavens. I have glorified it. And people are like, no, that's thunder. Others are like, no, an angel has spoken. Like, that's a whole another sermon on itself. You know, we have to have ears to hear. That's what consecration does. It prepares us for moments like that. When God is speaking, we can recognize that it's God. And we can act accordingly. Um, this, this, the, the way some people responded and saying it's thunder, it tells me that they weren't consecrated. It tells me that they didn't have ears to hear. It tells me that they weren't attentive to the move of God in their lives. And that's how we've got to go through 2021 attentive people. We've got to be listening in our businesses, in our families, in our, with our kids and with all the financial decisions we need to make and whether we buy, sell, stay, go, whether all these decisions, we've got to listen to the voice of the Lord. We've got to have ears to hear in all these things. Amazing, Jesus, what we see in Jesus. And really, he's the prototype of how we should be living as well, connecting heaven to earth. Um, But in this passage, I want us to notice something in particular. I want us to notice the ultimate purpose of Christ coming to earth is actually revealed in this passage. This is like the curtains are drawn back 
and a revelation of the purpose of Christ is pushed onto the center stage for us to see. And I don't want you to miss that. Sometimes we know we can get, you know, we can get wrapped up in the voice from heaven and, and what did people say and everything. But I don't want you to miss what is revealed to us in the scripture. What is revealed here is that Jesus, his ultimate purpose is coming out in that, in that one verse over there. You know, when many, if you had to go around the room in church or ask many people what was the purpose of Christ, your standard answers from people will be this, is that he came to save us. That would be like the number one answer. He, Jesus, why did Jesus come? He came to save us. You could add on to that. He came to heal us, to deliver us. And there's many scriptures that say that was his purpose. He, he, he left the 99 and looks for the one. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to deliver us from the power of the enemy, from the powers of darkness. He came to set mankind free, to set captives free. He came to proclaim good news to us. We, it's, it's, when you, when you look at the purpose of Christ, it's very easy to put us in the middle of it. It's very easy to put us as the, as the focus or the center of the gospel narrative. It's very easy to have a man-centered gospel when you just look at the surface level of scripture. Why did Jesus come? For us. To help us, save us, deliver us, all of these reasons. However, when you look just a little closer, you can see that there was a much bigger mission that Jesus was on. We could call it the mission behind the mission, (laughs) or the purpose behind the purpose. In French, you have this phrase, and and I'm just going to apologize to Didier and MJ and all my other French brothers right now because I'm probably going to butcher it. But it, it goes something like this. It's raison d'être. I hope I said it. Raison d'être. You, you know that one? Great. Okay. Ayanda is a PhD student and he's nodding at me right now. So, <laughs> so it's raison d'être. Okay. And raison d'être means this. It means the ultimate purpose for something's existence. That's what it is. And we, we often use this phrase in, or we've heard it in movies, in murder mysteries, where, you know, we're trying to know the motive of the killer, and we, we, we come to the conclusion that the, that the motive behind the killing was, was revenge. And then there's always this line, the raison d'etre was revenge. Okay. And so, and what we're saying is that the purpose behind the actions, the, the mission behind everything was revenge. In this passage, we catch a glimpse of Jesus' raison d'etre. I just feel like I can preach in French because it's such a beautiful language. Hello, my beauty. You like it? (laughs) We catch a glimpse of Jesus' raison d'etre, his underlying motivation and his purpose behind all these actions. He says it there. He says, for this purpose I have come. Father, glorify your name. Guys, this is a revelation we need to catch this morning. Jesus was on a mission to glorify God, to glorify his Father. The glory of God was his passion. It was his motivation. It was the reason behind why he came 
to save us, heal us, deliver us, and, and, and bring us into eternal life. It was the overwhelming raison d'etre. I want to show you a passage in John 17, verse 4. And um, the scripture should come up this morning. It's John 17, verse 4. And this is very important. This is another revelation moment. These are the final words of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's speaking to his father just before he's about to exit earth. And he says this, I glorified you on earth. I glorified you where? On earth. This is like Jesus saying, this was my job. This is why I came. I came to glorify you on earth. Having accomplished the work. Can you say the work? Thank you. The work that you gave me to do. How did Jesus glorify the Father? He by obeying the Father, by doing what the Father told him to do. I want you to see here that the work was the means to glorifying God. The work was not the ultimate. The ultimate here was that he glorified his Father. The work was really just the assignment that he was given. It was the task that he was given. And so he obeyed that because ultimately he wanted to glorify his father. I thought, well, what if God gave, what if the father gave Jesus another mission? Not to save humanity, but to judge humanity. Jesus, what would have Jesus done? Would he have saved humanity or would he have judged humanity? He would have judged humanity. So ultimately what we see here is that Jesus' allegiance is not to us. (laughs) We are not the center of the gospel story. His allegiance here is to the Father. His allegiance is to his Father in heaven and doing whatever the Father tells us. It just so happened that the Father asked him to save us. And, he, and it was painful and it was tough, but he would have, but he did it. If the father had asked him to do anything else, he would have done that as why, as well. Why? Because he was passionate about one thing, and that was the glory of his father. I have glorified you on earth. That was his chief mission. He's resigned the tray. And you know, when you when you start to unpack that truth. Man, it just gets so deep and so profound. And it can also raise many questions because at the end of the day, we know that Jesus was God on earth. So how can God be passionate about the glory of God? Isn't that very self-centered in its, in it, you know, how can he, how can God be so passionate about his own glory? I mean, imagine if you were passionate about your glory and your name and your fame and your, you know, renown in the world. We would, we would, easily say that you are a very self-centered person. So is God not then self-centered? And the answer is God is the most God-centered person in the universe. <laughs> and, it's, and it is self-centered unless you are God. Why? Because God has no other gods but himself. He is most passionate about himself. 
and his highest commitment is to himself. Think about it. If he was committed to anything else more, then whatever he would commit himself to more would be God and not him. You know, which is why mankind can almost be forgiven for having such a God complex. Because his commitment to us is massive. And we see that in the, in, the, in the life of Jesus Christ. His commitment to humanity is massive. And, and when you think about it, why? You know, like the psalmist said, what is man that you are mindful of us? We are but the dust. Yet you put, you exalt us. You crown us with glory and honor. You've made us just a low, little lower than the angels. You, you number our days. You record them in your books. All our days are recorded in your books. You catch our tears, the tears of the saints. You, you there's so much attention so much focus, so much that we could be forgiven for having a bit of a God complex because we're so valuable, we're so important. But I think it's so important that we see today that as much as He is committed to us, His highest commitment is actually to Himself. And the reason why He's so committed to us is because that somehow His commitment to us results in Him being more glorified. I want to take you through a few scriptures this morning and show you this and just unpack it for us a little more. We're going to go to Isaiah, 50, uh, Isaiah 43 and verse 25. And there's a number of times in the Bible where it says the phrase, for my name's sake, appears. And this is one of them. It says, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I, will remember, and I will not remember your sins. Can we just, in the room, can we just say that again together? I am he who blots out your transgressions. Why? For my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. This passage tells us that the forgiving of our sins, the blotting out our transgression is not because man so needs it, but because somehow it serves the glory of God and upholds his name. His name is revealed, and we're going to look at this in Scripture, is Yeshua, which means Savior. And so before he is being kind to us, he's actually being true to himself. And it looks compassionate and loving, um, if it looks compassionate and loving, then it's not because we're worth compassion, but because he is compassionate. So at the end of the day, God is true to himself. I want to show you another scripture in Ezekiel 36. Here's another one. It says, verse 22, Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. This is actually, if you read the entire passage in Ezekiel chapter 36, it's actually a beautiful passage. I mean, it's in there what he, he talks about gathering Israel from all the nations and bringing them back to his land. And, and when he brings them back, he says, I'm going to bless you. 
I'm going to take away famine. I'm going to multiply your fruit trees. I'm going to increase the produce of your ground. I'm going to um, take out the heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. I'm going to, your men will become like flocks. There's going to be strength coming to you, nation of Israel. So there's all this amazing things that he's going to do. And then he says this phrase right in the middle. And he says, but it's not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm going to do this, but for my holy name. In other words, he does all of this not because they have done anything to deserve it, quite the opposite actually, but because Israel bears his holy name. And so at the end of the day, it's God's reputation on Israel that's at stake. Which is amazing. You know, Moses understood this when he was bringing the Israelites out of Egypt and they had rebelled against God repeatedly and repeatedly. God was said to Moses, I'm going to kill them all. <laughs> and Moses is very interesting when you go read it. Moses's, Moses appeals to God's name as a reason why God should not destroy them. He says, he said to the Lord, he said, if you bring, what will all the nations think? If you delivered them from Egypt with such power only to bring them here and then kill them, what will all the people think of your name? And God actually relents from doing it and listens to Moses. Why? Because of his name is at stake. His glory is at stake. And so, you know, a lot of us can like start getting a little bit like fearful about this. Like, okay, so God is this very God-centered person. There's a, this egotistical maniac running the universe and he's concerned only about his name and and he's only concerned about his glory. But when you look at scripture, what, what you see is this should not make us insecure or fearful in any way. This should rather comfort us. Why? Because we bear his image. We bear his likeness and he has put his name on us. And the confidence we have is this, is that God does not treat us according to our performance, but according to his name. And that's where our confidence lies. That's where this revelation feeds our spirit, man. Feeds our, 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 it comforts our souls because at the end of the day, what we see is that it's not based on our performance on how he treats us. It's based on his holy name. It's based on his kindness. It's based on his goodness. And that's what we see in the gospel story. One more scripture I want to show you. Psalm 23, verse 3 says this. You know the Psalm 23 really well. It says, He restores my soul and he leads me in paths of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. (laughs) Why does God lead us in paths of righteousness? For his name's sake. You know, there's something about living a righteous life that just brings glory to God. You know, when we live righteously in right standing with Him, it brings Him glory. It ultimately reflects Him. And so what we see in Scripture is this, is that the repeated refrain that God saves, He forgives, He guides His people, but He does it all for His name's sake. And that's why we're going to unpack His name over the next couple of weeks. Let me ask you a pop quiz this morning. Why did God make the heavens and the earth? Why did he make creation? Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. Creation shouts the glory of God. 
The reason why he created everything was because it declares his glory. I mean, just think about if you've had a chance over this break just to get into nature. I mean, Trish and I, we showed you on, on our Christmas Day message, we climbed a mountain, you know, a table mountain. And, man, there were moments where the beauty was so breathtaking that we would stop. And it's amazing. When you, you're just, you're on the hill and you're looking down and there's mountains and there's just this incredible uh, flora and fauna all around us. And it's just so incredible. The natural reaction is just to just go, God, you're incredible. This is so amazing. This is so beautiful. You know, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey and everybody started praising him, singing Hosanna, the, the Pharisees rebuked him. It said, said to Jesus, rebuke those people. They're not supposed to be praising you. Rebuke them. And he said, if I tell them to keep, keep quiet, the stones will shout out and glorify God. Which basically says that everything is created for his glory. Everything is meant to point back to him. It's meant to point back to his splendor and declare how majestic he is. And so the question remains then, well, what is the purpose of mankind and what is the purpose of your life? And the answer has to be to give glory to God. We see it in Jesus. We see it in creation. And we should see it in our lives too. The Westminster Catechism says the following. It's, this is the chief and ultimate purpose of man, is that we were created for, God, for his glory and to enjoy him forever. We were created to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Your raison d'etre is not to make money this year. It's not to survive this year. It's not to get into new markets this year. It's not to finish your grades this year and finish well it's not to get married this year it's not to those are all good but that cannot be your raison d'etre that cannot be your ultimate purpose those those can all be sub purposes those can all be under things the one that needs to be above all and everything else every other goal that you have this year should be to glorify God The Apostle Paul said this, he said in 1 Corinthians 10, he says, Whatever you do, whether eating or drinking, do all for what? The glory of God. In everything you do, whether it's eating, come on, if we're going to sit down and enjoy a meal, whether we're going to go play sport, whether we're going to get married this year, if you're going to get married, glorify God in your wedding. If you're going to celebrate a birthday this year, glorify God in your celebration. If you're going to sit down as a family for dinner, glorify God in that process. If you're going to go to your job every single day and, 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 and try and fulfill and serve your boss as great, that's awesome, but glorify God in your workplace. Let your ultimate, your raison d'etre be that you glorify God in 2021. Amen? You know, there was a time when people believed that the sun revolved around the earth. (laughs) You know, go back a couple hundred years, scientists were even teaching, people believed that the sun revolved around the earth and if you you know just forget about what you know in science right now forget about every satellite picture you've you've seen or all those little solar system 
models that you made when you were in school. Forget about all of that knowledge. Rewind the clock a couple hundred years and I ask you the question, does the earth revolve around the sun? Or does the sun revolve around the earth? You would be forgiven for thinking that the sun actually revolves around the earth. Because when you look at you know, just creation, you see the sun, it rises over there, and then it goes over there and sets. And all the stars, they're also all moving. And we, we're standing still. That's what it feels like. You know, it can feel like the earth it is the center of the universe. That everything is revolving around us. That everything is made for us. We can be forgiven for thinking that this world does revolve around us. It seems like it revolves around us. In fact, fallen man really believes that everything here is for me. But you know what? When we get some satellite pictures <laughs> and we just zoom out a little bit from our own lives and our own focus, what we see is that the opposite is actually true. It's the earth actually revolves around the sun. And I want you to understand this year that, that God, as much as he is committed to you, don't be fooled to thinking that God revolves around you. You revolve around him. Creation revolves around him. Our lives are meant to revolve around him. We sang this morning, Jesus be the center. When we sing those words, what we sang is exactly that. Lord, let everything that I do revolve around you. Let everything I do bring you glory. I was reading about William Merrill Voris, who was a, a missionary to Japan, and how he started importing medicine uh, to, to help the Japanese people, you know. And, um, and instead of just distributing the medicine, he put a gospel tract on the label of the medicine. And on the gospel tract, he said, write to us if you want to know about eternal life. And thousands upon thousands of people wrote to him saying, we want to know about eternal life. And, and many people got saved just because he said, you know what, I'm not going to just do business as normal. I'm going to make my business revolve around the glory and the knowledge of God. And so this is what I want us to do together as a family. Is I want us this year to really think about how can you give glory to God in everything that you're doing? What can you do to give his name praise? You know, one thing that we can do is, is, is testify and thank him for all the good that he did do in 2020. And I know it was a tough year for many of us, and, and some of us even you know, buried moms and dads, and, and it, was, it was hard, I know that. But there was always, whenever it's hard, there's always still good. You know, the great thing about living with God is that even though we go through the valley of the shadow of death, his rod is there, his staff is there to comfort us, and he takes our pain, and he takes all the tough things, and he turns them into good things. He causes every stumbling block, everything to work in our favor in the end. And so one thing that we can do is to give glory to God is give him praise for what he did do last year. And I want to encourage you, even in the chat this morning, just maybe you can start posting some stuff there. What do you want to give glory to God for? What did he do in 2020 that is worth celebrating, is worth lifting him up and praising him? You know, something that Trish and I do every year is we, we write, we have this book 
And, and in here we record, since we got married, which was 17 years ago, um, every year in December what we do is we record all the blessings of God from that year. And so in, in here, you know, I've got blessings from, you know, 2012 and 2015 and 2007, um, things that we were celebrating and thanking God. That was the year our son was born. That was the year somebody blessed us with, with the whole thing of nappies. <laughs> you know, like, you know, that's good to remember. And this is our, our, um, this is, this is our monument to the Lord and what He's done in our life. This is one way that we glorify God. I want to encourage you to do something similar in your life before this year really starts going, is to sit down and glorify God and remember all the good things that he's done. King Solomon, um, it's, it's quite amazing. King Solomon, when you know the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, and it was an incredible miracle, hand of God. 500 years later, Solomon was on the throne, and... He felt the unction to go back to the Red Sea, to the very site where they crossed and built a a pillar right there to commemorate what God had done. And I thought, that's incredible that a man would go back in history 500 years to give God glory. And that pillar stands to to this day. It stands as a memorial to to the glory of God, to what God did in bringing Israel out of Egypt. There's a pillar there to this very day. Um, in Saudi Arabia, you can actually go and see it, that Solomon built. He cared so much about the glory of God that he traveled and built that monument to commemorate what God did in his life. And, and really, this is, this is Trish and I's monument, and I want to encourage you to have your own monument as well. Let's give God praise. Let's give him thanks for what he's done. And let's build our lives in 2021 around him and bringing him glory. Amen. Amen. Well, let's just take a moment to pray, and then we're, we're going to be doing communion together as a family. So, Father, we want to just thank you for your word this morning. I pray that this word would uh, not be lost on us this morning. Lord, we, we, may we not just be hearers of the word, but may we be doers as well. I pray, Father God, that you and I would center our lives around you this year. Give us wisdom, Father God. Show us how we can glorify you in everything that we do. Show us, Heavenly Father, how we can bring you glory in our workplaces, even in our homes. What, what do we need to change so that when people walk through the door, we know that they know that this is a place that gives glory to God. May whatever we do this year, Father God, whether eating or drinking, working, playing, climbing mountains, doing our jobs, may it all be done for your glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 That was such a great word. Thank you, Lord. Um, yeah, thank you for those, those words there, guys. And let's keep praising God. Amen. Amen. We'll see you again soon. 
Thank you for joining Church Online today. We hope that you were inspired and challenged by today's message. We would like to encourage you to join one of our connect groups where you can make friends and discuss the word further. You can message us on 072-606-6747 to join a connect group or to send us any prayer needs you might have. To give your tithes and offering, please visit our website www.enderban.org to get our bank details and zapper code. Have a safe and blessed week.